The Mac Observer's Mac Geek uh, number 224 for October 26, 2009. Greetings, folks, and welcome. It is John. It's Monday night, and we're recording the show. It's been a long time since we've done this. And we're home. And we're home, right. Monday night, home, recording the show. It's like normal. And we're rested and hydrated because, yeah, we were a bit off our game last time just because, yeah, flying west and then east and three hours this way. And the, yeah, it's, it's just a mess. So. I th- actually, I thought we did a good show. I just thought we were both a little uh, hoarse. And I don't mean like small equine creatures. But uh, anyway. No, that's, no, your wife's into that thing. Well, not quite the small ones. She likes the normal size, but, but yes. Uh, yeah, we uh, we have a relatively normal show here, too. We've got uh, some airport issues to talk about, uh, some tips that you folks sent in, some switcher questions. Uh, I believe if we have time, we'll have a little bit of a discussion on Adobe Flash. Uh, <sighs> You know, discussion but, uh, discussion <laughs> oh sorry hold it save it john save it save I'm it riled up here okay Go. yeah get, okay. get yourself riled up uh you know before we get into uh the first question we'll mix up the schedule a little bit here mix up the agenda and uh i want to talk about our first sponsor sponsor <clears throat> sponsor yeah. audioengineusa.com is our first sponsor for this show and they make surprise surprise Audio products. Uh, today, I want to talk about the Audio Engine A2 speakers uh, because I think these are the of all the products that Audio Engine sells. I think these are the ones that uh, that make absolutely the most sense for the majority of our listeners. These are uh, what they call bookshelf speakers, but uh, but they're also perfect for your desk, especially if you've got a smaller desk setup. Uh, certainly, you know most Macs. Uh, in fact, all Macs except the Mac Mini come with speakers built in, but those speakers leave a lot to be desired. And that's where the A2s really step up and shine. They are a set of speakers, so you can put one on either side of your Mac. Uh, They are self-powered, meaning that you just plug them into the headphone jack of your Mac, and then, of course, they plug into the AC outlet, uh, and they've got a little amplifier in them, and they deliver clear pristine sound even though the cabinets of the speakers are small they have lots and lots of low end i use these over at the house on the imac there and uh, it's actually a fairly big room it fills our kind of our our study and our kitchen with plenty of sound uh each enclosure has two speakers a little tweeter and then a woofer uh, and a slight little bass port at the bottom that uh clearly these guys have engineered to make sound just perfect they are uh they're 199 and you can get them in black or in white. Uh, it's a it's a wooden enclosure, but it's uh, covered in in lucite. So it's got it's got, it really kind of has a complementary look to to just about any Mac. Um, and depending on your setup, black or white, you can check all of this out at AudioEngineUSA.com, and you can save some money there too using the coupon code MGGTEN. All caps will give you ten percent off the price. So of course for these that gets it down to about 180 bucks, maybe even a little less. And uh all at audioengineusa.com. 
And with awesome. That, now, I think that's great ahead. for students, Dave, because especially now, now that yeah. you've set up your room and you got the milk crates and the boards all set up the way you like, you may not have a lot of space left, but I would say that these speakers probably would fit on one of your, you know, milk crates or or wood shelves. Won't take up a lot of space and, yeah. uh, you know, won't be too, too loud for uh, for rocking the house. I'd I, I'd still go for the A5s, but uh, yeah, that's right. The A5s for uh, I think a hundred bucks more, bigger speaker, even bigger sound. But uh, but the A2s have a have you know a sound that stands punch. totally on their own. Yeah, absolutely. AudioEngineUSA.com. And with that, let's go to the. Uh, I was going to say go to the phones, but I don't. I think <laughs> actually, I think Mike did send this in from from his phone. Well, some some have asked this. I I think we owe our you know listeners perhaps another live show. Yeah. Before the end of the year. Perhaps. We will. How, we, how's we'll, that for a commitment? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. All right, here we go. Hey, John and Dave. It's Mike from Newburyport, Massachusetts. Thanks for the show. It's uh, awesome. I uh, just finished listening to episode or podcast number 223. And my question is, um, ever since I installed Snow Leopard, I have a problem with mail. And it's not really a problem with mail per se. The issue is that I have no sound in mail, meaning that I get no sound when mail comes in. Uh, I don't get that wonderful whooshing sound that I used to get uh, in Leopard or that I get on my iPhone when I send mail out. Um, and I'm perplexed as can be about how to get my sound back in mail. Um, if you guys could help, that would be great. I really appreciate it. Um, this is where you cut me off. All right. Uh, so inside mail, uh, go to preferences, go to general. And then in there, there are two settings you want to look at. One is new messages sound, and you want to check and see what that's set to. And then the second is a checkbox. So the first is a drop down menu that lets you select a sound. And then the second is a checkbox labeled play sounds for other mail actions. Now, uh, if you have the mail, if you have a sound selected, what I'm going to say is try one of two things, set it to none, close out of that and quit mail and then come back in and set it to something else. Or, uh, change what it's set to. So if it's set to, you know, the built-in new mail sounds, change it to, you know, one of the other sounds on your system and try that. Um, same with the checkbox. Try changing it to whatever it's not set to. And then obviously if you have unchecked it, go back and check it after you quit and come back in. Uh, that would that would be the first thing. The pro- I guess the other possible problem, John, is if the sound files that came with mail are damaged. Uh, and if that's the case then it gets a little trickier um i'm not you know the first update to snow leopard was pretty big right the the 1061 update but i don't know if it included mail if it did then reapplying the 1061 update would solve this problem if it didn't then you've got to reinstall snow leopard from scratch um to to put that stuff back out there and that you know that that Mm. That'll work, but you know it's not going to be the uh, the, no. the quickest solution. So okay, now let me ask you this: There's another place now. Of course, this is mail specific, and you're mail app guy, and I'm still Eudora guy. Yes, until it doesn't work anymore. <laughs> right, real soon now. <laughs> so, um, in system preferences, sound sound effects. Yep. Are these sound effects the same sound effects that 
male uses or is there a different set of sound files? I'm uh, curious if you know off the top of your head. Yeah, I do know off the top of my head. So Excellent. the male can use these sound effects, but it can also use some sound files that are unique and and available only to the male application, if that, uh, if that okay. makes sense. Okay, so. so for kicks, you could go to the sound system preference sound effects as well to see if those sounds do anything as they've suggesting they could be damaged or, or whatever. Yeah, that, so, uh, that would actually, that would actually help. I mean, when you, when here, here's a, here's a handy tidbit when in mail or in the sound effects preference pane, but uh, when you're in mail and you select a sound in the, in the preferences, uh, it should play right then and there as you select it. If it does yeah. not, then that's a sign that either you've got your speaker set wrong, which of course the sound preference pane would, uh, would help with, or you've got some other problem, damaged sound files, check the console log, uh, you know, fire up a con. If, if, if you select the sound and nothing plays fire up the console, uh, look at the all messages section and, and then try selecting the sound again. If, if there's a problem, something should appear immediately in the console log that might give some indication as to, as to what's going on. Uh-huh. Wow. You beat me to it. <laughs> I know. I'm so we proud. love console. <laughs> yeah, but I use it all the time now. You know, I mean, we we talk about it on the show, and and that's largely because you know you you were the catalyst to that, John. But uh, I use the console log constantly now to to diagnose things. Now, what irks me, and you probably know this, Dave, because this happens every time before the show, is that the sound control panel, system preference. I will never stop doing that. <laughs> um, the input level is always at minimum, and I'd like it at least for when we set up with Skype. I like it a little higher, and actually today I turned down, I think this sounds a little better, but I turned down the gain on my uh, board just a little bit, and I, I kept okay. the input level at about 25%, and I think that's, I think we're at a good I, level, because I'm not blowing myself out, and you're not too loud either, and I don't see the yellow light on the board coming on, so. I think that's a Skype issue. Uh, I think mm. Skype alters the the sound. Now, We've we've taken some measures to keep Skype from altering the sound. So maybe there's something else on your machine that's moving that that sound input around. But uh, I don't know. We'll have to yeah. figure that. I would expect it to be at the last spot that I was at, even if I restart the machine. And maybe that's right. Not a reasonable expectation. Oh, it, it, that's reasonable to me. Yeah. yeah, if you want it, you know, yeah. have it a little little you know alt uh, you know some magic keyboard combo yeah. or something. Yeah. Anyways, so right. enough about mail and sounds. Yeah, let's see what Mike, not that Mike, but this Mike, Mike has to say. Hey, John and Dave, this is Mike from Baltimore. I just want to say thanks for a great podcast. Really enjoy it. My question is about using the Airport Express on the road, uh, especially even in Europe where I travel. Um, Apple is a little lame on explaining exactly how to go about setting it up. Just bring your Airport Express and plug it in and you've got wireless. Um, there's got to be more to it than that. When I tried last time I was in Geneva, it didn't quite work. So uh, if you give me some insights on that, I'd really appreciate it. Keep up the great work. Thanks. You bet. John, you know what? Uh, you're the I'm, you're the expert at this. I'm diving in. Not the Well, I, I do this. Uh, when we did our Vegas trip, I did that. Even though they okay. had wired internet in the room, yep. I still brought uh, my express because I'd like to have options or perhaps share my connection with friends mm-hmm. um, after locking it down. Like, you know, someone on the same floor, like Dave, maybe, I don't know. Yeah. Just, too bad. Our I'm, rooms, I'm sh- our rooms yeah, were, we were close together, but they were too far apart to share the uh, internet connection. You know, we got to get another one of those, um, 
Oh, what are they? Wi-Fi or is that it? Oh, I should have brought my Wi-Fi. I wonder with my Wi-Fi if I could have reached your... Uh, well, All right, so in general, Wi-Fi goes about 300 feet. The Wi-Fi is a device that we looked at. They they have a new generation. Uh, I think we got to ask them for the new one. It's it's slimmer. I'm sure it's you know have, it has enhancements. But that lets you go up to 1,000 feet, which I think we probably could have done. Uh, there, there's still walls and metal and, and garbage between the rooms. But anyways, here's what I would suggest. So, so one thing, the problem is sometimes, and, and this happens to me, is that I'll bring it with me and I won't remember what configuration I had it set up for. And typically I'll set it up for a closed network where it does not broadcast its name. So I don't hook into it automatically from my Mac. And I just kind of do that because I, uh, I'd i rather not have it automatically linked to it for, for security reasons. Because if I can do that, someone else can. Right. Maybe. So anyways, um, start from scratch. A lot of them that there is a little reset button. You hold it in for a number of seconds and it comes up. Um, so, of course, one option is if you have a, a secure connection, maybe you want to use that as long as you know that you have WPA and all that, all that stuff. Otherwise, you can hold down the button on this and it will start up. And I think for a, a period of a couple of minutes, it'll, it'll be an open network. And it'll be like Airport Express 08 or whatever the MAC address, the beginning of the MAC address of it. Then you link to it and you configure it. And to, to me, the most important parts to get it to work in most wired environments um, would be airport utility, then internet, configure IP v4, and then go to um, using DHCP and uh, just make sure you're, you're using DHCP for, for the way to grab an address. Um, there's another tab in the airport utility internet connection sharing, and you want that to say share a public IP address. Now, those two settings should, and that's what I almost always use. Uh, the one caveat is that there's also a DHCP tab. And here's the thing that could happen, and I've seen this happen. A lot of times when you're on a hotel network, you may not get a real IP address for the outside world. You may okay. get a non-routable, non-routable IP address. S- like similar to the, whatever. Similar to the ranges that we get in our in our homes, right? Non-routable ranges, like 192.168 yes. or 10.0.whatever, right? Exactly. So there's okay. three ranges. I think it's 10.whatever, 172.whatever, and 192 are mm-hmm. the three. If they, they begin with that, they're probably, uh, which makes sense because you, you don't need to dole out those addresses. The problem is if they're handing that out and then your airport is also handing out addresses in that range, although it shouldn't make a difference, it should be smart enough to differentiate between the two different sides of the network. I've seen this screw things up and, and you usually know yeah. that that's the problem when it comes up and says, Oh, I'm sorry. IP address, whatever is already owned by Mac address, blah, blah, blah. That means you're creating a conf. Uh, you're handing out addresses in the same range. If okay. it's, if it's been set up out of the box and this may be what's happening. And I, I've seen it happen before. Most places avoid this by either assigning a totally different range or one that's, you know, far enough away that the defaults won't affect it. But sometimes it does. So anyways, you may want to go to the DHCP tab and choose a different subnet. The Airport um, Express is capable of handing things out when it's in share mode um, with any of the, the three most popular, you know, subnet ranges. So Got pick it. a different one if you're just not making it out. And and when I have had problems, that's the thing that's uh, solved it for me. Uh, I don't know if you have any, uh, you know, war stories about the uh, <laughs> Express... Uh, Dave, I, I, you have one, right? No, I, I don't use an express. I mean, I've I've used them before, but I don't own one. Um, but, okay, but, what do you do on the road for? Uh, well, I know what you do now on the road. I, I wonder what you did before. I mean, now you have the. Uh, I mean, the. Uh, I use the Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi. Yeah, is, is uh, awesome. So you know, I was amazed when I don't know I mentioned it, but at the show, dude, this thing is so light. <laughs> it's kind of scary. You 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 want to 
I want to get a feeling that it's something substantial, but it's just, I mean, it's almost like a credit card, because, you know, several credit cards. Yeah. Uh, I'm afraid that you'd misplace it, though, because it's... Well, here, oh. here's the problem I have, and I'm going to go on a little bit of a rant here. Uh, Please. You know, laptop bags in general, backpacks, briefcases, whatever form they take, the inside of most of the ones that I've ever owned is black. And here's the problem. Most of my cables are also black the MiFi is black i have problems in fact i've torn my office apart looking for that MiFi before only to find <laughs> that oh yeah no it's in here it's just black and you know it's tiny and now it's down at the bottom of the bag and i can't find it uh so it drives me crazy i wish someone would make one and and i know why they make them black because you're throwing all sorts of crap in there and it's invariably going to get scuffed up and scratched and it's going to look terrible if it's not black uh, if it's black, you don't see those. And so the thing retains its pristine looks for for much, much longer. Uh, the same is true of cables and all these other things. And that's why they're all black. But I want a a white. I want like a linen, frilly white colored uh, sleeve inside my my laptop case so that I can throw my cables in and find everything. Um, you know, even my cables that are white will show up against a white background, whereas the black, it just totally right. envelops it. So, uh, I, yeah, but, but that, so yes, the MiFi is, is uh, fantastic. And I, I use it regularly when I travel. I think it's awesome. Uh, uh, so there you go. Right. I think we answered our questions about the airport express in addition to all that other stuff. So, uh, Zakia writes, Sometimes when surfing the Internet, pages just won't load. I don't get an error message or a 404, just a white page while the menu and status bars indicate that the page is loading. This only happens when I connect wirelessly. It happens on multiple networks, home, office or coffee shop, whether they are password protected or not. It happens in both Safari and Firefox. When I turn the airport off and then on, that solves the problem for a while. However, since this is happening more frequently, I'm wondering, one, is there any chance this is a software problem with a software fix? Or number two, how does one find out if an airport card is dead? Google hasn't helped me. I have a first gen 13 inch MacBook running Mac OS 10, 10, 5, 8. All right. So uh, let's talk about this. So I've got a couple of thoughts here. My guess is. Uh, as, as, uh, you know, Zakia points out, it's either software or hardware. And if it's hardware, well, you, you need to get the, the air, the internal airport card replaced. The good news is on most of those machines, it is a separate card inside and can be replaced. Um, and, and on believe- some, on some of those machines, I, in fact, I don't know about, I don't know about yours it might be a motherboard thing, but uh, I, um, I think it's possible. Mine. So. I didn't no. I did have to mess around with an antenna, but I think it's embedded somewhere in another. Actually, there's another circuit board that was part of the case where I think some of the RF circuitry is. Okay. The only thing I say is the first thing is that I believe the Apple hardware test, which either will come up if you hold down, I think it's D for diagnostic when you boot your machine, or it should be on your the the CDs that came with it. I believe that has an airport card test to to test just the fundamentals of the radio and see if it's even there. And if it, it, it appears to be working, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, the, the big thing with it, you know, and that's the thing that irks me mini tangent, come back. Um, their test has memory testing for like so much of the process. And I really wish to get more detail about all the other interesting pieces of hardware that are in the machine. Maybe there's you, a you detail can, log somewhere. 
but it, when I do extended, it just yeah. doesn't, you know, I'm like, yeah, well, extended, it's, you know. Well, extended is just the extended memory test. I don't think there's yeah. any difference with any of the other tests. I yeah, think I it's, get some of our other utilities, actually, I yeah. believe. Uh, but yeah. anyway, back to uh, back to this. I, I think um, let's assume for the moment that it is software. Right, John? Mm-hmm. So uh, the, the trick would be you, you, you mentioned that. When you turn airport off and then on, it works again for a little while. So, uh, you know, so, okay, so let's take a look at the settings in there. Is there something out there for DNS? Uh, There shouldn't be anything listed for DNS. Uh, You should let the uh, whatever network is, uh, whatever network you're connecting to, in theory, should provide that information. So if you put something out there, it's going to preempt that. And maybe you've got some old DNS server out there. So, you know, go into airport in the network uh, uh, system preferences. I got that right. Uh, and then click on advanced. That should tell you uh, you should be able to see in a tab there for DNS. Remove anything that's there. Uh, if that doesn't do it, go into network uh, in inside system preferences, highlight airport, go down to the bottom uh, of that list and you'll see a little minus sign hit that minus sign that's going to remove the airport connection entirely from your computer hit the plus sign re-add an airport connection and that will rebuild that that setup uh and and may solve this problem so that th- that would be the the two things i would do otherwise if that doesn't do it um you know, okay. you, you could That's try it. a clean install of, of Mac OS 10, but but otherwise, I, you know, I think you are heading down the path of it being hardware. Yeah, one I, thing I, I'd I say 70, 70, 30 uh, based on what we've read here. So I'm, I'm, I'm 70, 30 on it being software versus hardware. So, OK, I, I'm going to uh, take a stab here. And who mm-hmm. the heck knows? You know, uh, if you throw enough darts, you, you'll hit the target. That's right. So <laughs> um, it could be messed up caches in the browsers. Uh, yep. What I'm thinking is that it may have been intermittent network performance. And to me, it, 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 just based on what I'm hearing, it sounds to me like a network that is maybe or networks, which is certainly could be the case, which are uh, oversubscribed or incorrectly configured where they're they just can't handle the load and they're kicking people off and they're connecting again. And bad things are happening in the cache world in that the browser, most browsers typically will cache images and pages uh, because if you load them again, they come up very quickly off a disk. Now, if that process gets interrupted, you may have, although they should get rid of this, they may not. You may have files that are partially filled. And then when the cache file tries to match what's coming down, they don't quite match and it gets all confused and it says they're spinning, spinning, spinning. And I've seen a lot of spinning, you know, in uh Safari has a late and it's really bothering me. It usually leads to, you know, crashy, crash a lot and uh, flash. <laughs> um, oh, we're going to talk about that later, but we'll I have to talk about, about it now. But anyways, so, so my suggestion is uh, whatever means there are, you know, either the, the tools that we like Onyx and, uh, and cocktail and things like that, or just the browsers themselves will let you clear out the, you know, their, their caches somewhere in one of the menus. Um, try that. It, you, it may refresh the caches and then everything will be great. Yeah, in in Safari to empty the cache, it's it's right in the Safari menu, which is the one one to the right of the Apple menu, and it's called empty cache. Uh, one thing you can do, and this is a little bit of a tangent, but uh, but you know, kind of opens up some of the troubleshooting Go. process for per- potentially other issues, is when you're in Safari, you can see what it's up to uh, while it's loading pages, and to do that, you go to the window menu and choose activity. 
And you'll see out there, if you've got a web page open already, you'll see it lists the title of the page and then how many items it had to pull down, how many different assets it had to go and download to build that page. And the assets will be, you know, the HTML file that defines the page, uh, any CSS, any JavaScript, any images, you know, anything that's kind of rolled into that page and it'll list them all separately. It'll show you how big each of them is. And most importantly, it will show you which ones finished and which ones didn't. Uh, while you're loading a page, you'll see this list kind of dynamically change as different assets might call upon other things. You know, you might call a JavaScript that then calls an image. And so it'll, you know, it'll, it'll build that list and, and sort of be dynamic. But, you know, you can take a look at this. If you've got a page that's hanging, uh, take a look at this and see what's causing that issue. Uh, and more often than not, you might find it, you know, um, and, and I, I realize we're going nuts on tangents here, but this is helpful stuff. I, I got to, uh, I got to grab it. If you if you go to um, advanced, uh, if you know if you go back into system preferences, go to network, choose airport, go to advanced. Uh, one other thing it could be if you go all the way down to the Ethernet tab. Now, yes, it is airport, uh, but they call the tab Ethernet. Take a look at how it's configured. It might say configure automatically or manually. And if it's set to manually, you might have the MTU set strangely. You want to do that, set that to automatically and see if that, uh, see if that helps. So that's lots and lots of stuff uh, to try out there. And potentially, hopefully that'll help uh, some other listeners as well. Did you say you and had one round it up? Yeah, go ahead. Safari preferences, advanced show develop menu in menu bar. I will leave it as an exercise for the listener to go to the development menu and see what's in there. Probably one of the more interesting is that you could set the user agent. You can make the browser appear to be another browser, and who knows what chaos it could cause with that. <laughs> yeah. I found it helpful because some pages, they'll ignore you. They'll be like, oh, dude, you're on Safari. I'm, I'm just, you know, it, it's just not right. Yeah. So the, the development menu has that among a, a boatload of other things. And back on course. Back on course. Let's uh, oh, let's go to, uh, we can go to Gilbert here. How are we doing on time? Oh, we're doing good on time. Uh, let's go, yeah, we'll go to Gilbert. Yeah. So Gilbert writes, uh, my keyboard is acting very funny. Keys do other things. The space bar will suddenly highlight everything and then erase everything. Sometimes I'm writing and I'm writing in other parts of the page or in the middle of another sentence. Uh Hope you know something about this issue. No spills have happened on my keyboard or damage, and the backlight still works fine. Okay. Uh, good to know. <laughs> yeah, right. No, that, that is important. Yeah, that doesn't well, rule out. Too, yeah, that, yeah, that's right. That doesn't rule out it being a damaged keyboard. Uh, in fact, my gut says it's a damaged keyboard. But let's talk about a couple of things here. Uh, first... Plug in an external keyboard if you've got one. Now, he, oh, he's running on a MacBook Pro. I, I should have stated that up front. He, he gave us his system specs, but uh, it's it's definitely a MacBook Pro. So try an external keyboard if you, if you can get your hands on one. Uh, that will tell you very quickly whether or not this is uh, a hardware issue or a software issue. If, in fact, uh, everything is fine with the external keyboard, uh, you know, chances are it's hardware. But if the well, external, what I would, uh, I want to interject because I ran into this, and I just want to yeah. include this step, is that uh, hold on, why are you spinning? Oh, it's um, keyboard under Snow Leopard. Hold on, you with me? 
No, no. Where, no, I'm sorry. It's, it's the keyboard, uh, the, the keyboard helper in one of the menus uh, that that will show you the state of the keyboard. We we found it in Snow Leopard. Um, in the keyboard menu, there there is an option that lets you look at a keyboard map. And what I'm suggesting is that if you do that, so if you go to keyboard and then in Snow Leopard, click on Show Keyboard and Character Viewer. What happens is that a new menu will show up in the menu bar, and if you go to Show Keyboard Viewer, if there are stuck keys. You will see it on this display because oh. it shows what keys are depressed. Yep. And I wish I had known that because actually that would have helped me solve my prior problem right. quicker. Now, I'm not quite sure and I'll have to try this. It only shows one keyboard. I'm going to assume if I plug in another keyboard, it'll show both of them and somehow differentiate. But um, but yeah, uh. based on my, my tale of woe, you're absolutely correct that another keyboard will, will distract the other one, which is yeah. at least in my case work than I, I would hope most. Right. Right. So that, that would be the, the first easy test assuming that you have another keyboard to to test with if in fact all keyboards uh act this way or you don't have an external keyboard to test with then you can try a couple of these other things uh you know my um my first thought would be do you have some sort of macro program in place you know a a text expander or a quick keys or you know something that takes your keyboard input and changes it into something else. If if so, it's possible that you know you you've got some uh, some issue. Now, the other thing that's interesting to me is you say that when you hit the space bar, uh, it suddenly highlights everything. Or sometimes you're writing, or typing, and your cursor jumps. To me, that seems like now that I'm thinking about it, that seems like more of a mouse or trackpad issue then it does a keyboard issue, right? Because if, you know, if perhaps you have your hand resting on the trackpad in a way that's triggering it, uh, when you hit the space bar, it might think you're selecting, right? Uh, or, you know, if you accidentally tap on the trackpad while you're typing, well, it, it, depending on where the mouse cursor is, it might jump your, your text cursor. So uh, what I would do is go into the trackpad system preference pane and disable tap to click, Make it so that you have to press the button to click it. That might, uh, if that's the problem, that would that would do it. Do you like that, John? I like that feature, though. I know you do, but but I'm what I'm saying for troubleshooting that you know yes, what, what he's describing here sounds like uh, you know the keyboard typically doesn't change the uh, the location of the mouse of the cursor. Yep. So, and I'm going to throw you a curveball. You ready? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. System preferences. System universal access. Okay. There's a keyboard category. Now, I've seen this in the past, but there's something called sticky keys. Yeah. Make sure that's not on, because if it is, uh, so universal access is basically meant for people that have uh, either visual or audio or, or other mobility issues, and, and the OS can, can certainly deal with that by making things bigger or you know, making keyboard access a lot easier. Sometimes it gets switched on by accident. And if you're not expecting it, yep. uh, that's why I see they have a feature called sticky keys. And to me, it sounds like that may have, uh, who the heck knows? Or another thing, you know, slow keys. Uh, they have things that'll modify the keyboard experience uh, in unexpected ways. So check that screen out and uh, there may be something there that you can disable and then it'll all be good. Yep. 
Uh, I want to uh, I want to talk about our second sponsor, and then we'll get on to Robert's uh, switcher questions, which bring us right back around to the keyboard. Uh, second sponsor for this show is Coco Tech, and they make they're at cocotech.com and they make Pathfinder uh, version five. They've made all prior versions, too, but version five is what they have now. Uh, it is Snow Leopard compatible. But what is it, you ask? Well, it is a finder, either an enhancement uh, to the finder or really it's built as a replacement to the finder. In fact, you can have it so that when Pathfinder runs, it automatically quits the finder and the desktop that appears on your Mac is being generated and run by Pathfinder. Some of the cool things that Pathfinder does, it allows you to uh, control the way you manage files in a very different way. Uh, you can have an iTunes-like uh, breadcrumbs trail. So if you're you know, navigating in column view and you get somewhere you want to go, you can see where you came from. And you can just jump right up and go on the breadcrumbs, just like iTunes does when you choose, you know, music and then albums and then or music and then an artist and then an album. You can navigate right back up. Uh, it has a cool thing called the drop stack. And John, if you've ever had to uh, to, you know, you've been in one folder and you said, gosh, I want to take this file and I want to move it to another folder, but I don't want to use the whole spring loaded folders thing because that drives me to drink. Well, what you do normally is you drag it out to the desktop and, you know, then you navigate and then, oh, you, shoot, I got to move the finder window and find where it was on the desktop because oh, it didn't go where I thought. And, oh, there it is. OK. And now drag the file back in. Well, with this drop stack, you drag it right to this icon that's sitting in your finder window or in your pathfinder window and uh, and then navigate to where you want to go. And then you drag it right back out of that. And it either moves or copies it depending on whether you've gone to another drive or if you're on the same drive. Dual-pane file browsing. So you can have two side-by-side -side windows that, uh, that you can navigate differently and uh, all within, actually, side-by-side -side browsers inside one window. So it kind of takes the whole, all the cool things about all the various Apple uh, interfaces, iTunes, Safari, you can have multiple tabs, in uh, in this in these file browsers and sort of brings them all together for the finder, which doesn't really have a whole lot of these features. You can check this all out at cocotech.com. It's called Pathfinder, uh, obviously available for free. Uh, there's a there's a 30 day download. And then uh, and then after that, it's, uh, you know, I, I wanted to say it's 35 and I'm pretty sure. That's right. How come I can't find this, John? Uh, why do I, why do I not have a way of, uh, of buying this? Uh, you know, there it is. There Sorry. It's thirty nine ninety five. Uh, and, uh, but of course, like I said, you get your 30 day free trial. So it's thirty nine ninety five, forty 40 bucks, uh, minus a nickel. And, uh, but you get to decide, uh, whether or not that 40 bucks is worth it. And I'll tell you, for me, it, it was. I mean, there's no question about it. It's way, way better than the find. It's one of those things that once you start using it, there's absolutely no way you can go back. So check it out uh, at Cocotech.com, Pathfinder 5. All right, now we move on, John, to our friend Robert. And Robert writes, As a recent switcher, I run into many of the stereotypical problems for PC converts. I find the following two particularly vexing. Number one, 
In the Finder, Quick Look, and Preview, all seem to automatically rotate vertical pictures, think tall buildings, correctly in portrait mode. However, when I try to make one of those pictures my wallpaper, they are rotated to the right in landscape mode with no option to change. It would be nice if the wallpaper function automatically oriented the pictures properly or if Finder, Quick Look, and Preview would not automatically rotate them for consistency. What's the best way of displaying my pictures as wallpaper correctly? That's number one. You know what? Let's just answer that and then we'll then we'll ask his second question. So, yeah, you know, th- I think this is pretty quick. I don't think Finder, Quick Look, or Preview are doing anything automatically. They're, they're reading the data that the camera... Uh, writes to the file that that indicates orientation i don't think they're they're you know magically sensing horizon or anything like that they could be but i don't think they are i think they're doing it right and and the wallpaper function is simply missing that that option on uh or that that uh that logic um uh, on, on your machine so what i would do is open it in preview and then go to file and choose save as and save it back out, and that should orient it properly, and then hopefully your wallpaper app will uh, will will do it, or the wallpaper function will do it. Because they're all in landscape. What do you mean they're all in landscape? Oh no, okay, never mind, never mind. No, I'm looking at some other pictures. Ah, oh, okay, yeah. So I think I think that'll do it. You know, go into preview. My my guess is there's something wacky about the way the camera is saving these pictures because I've, I've done this and I have, I've never had an issue with, with the, you know, wallpaper or screensaver or any of well, that you stuff. Know, Misdisplay. Windows I have, which is, this is okay. Mac geek app, but anyways, on windows, I've had this happen. So my camera, the Lumix DMC TZ five, if I take a picture and I hold the camera uh, sideways, right. Portrait, it'll take the picture. But then when I look at it, it will display it on the display in landscape, which is like, huh, well, that's kind of cool. It realized I was rotating the camera in a weird way and it displays it. But when I download it to my windows machine and I think the windows preview suffers from this or or some similar problem, it'll show those pictures rotated landscape. And it's like, dude, the camera did it. And why are you second guessing it? So uh, what I'm wondering is at some level with a lot of these programs, and I've had this happen with sadly TwitPick, which is a service I like on the internet, uh, for posting pictures and then it sends out a little tweet and then um, I've had it make the wrong guess when I upload a picture that has hmm. been rotated properly and it'll say, Oh no, no, I know what you want. Hmm. So yeah, sometimes you just got to take the reins and the computer sometimes gets too smart. I think is perhaps the answer. Yeah. I think, I think it, I think that there's some inconsistency with the way some cameras do this because like I said, I've never, yes. I've never seen that issue, oh, Okay, but uh but 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 others have. I mean, it, you know, it, it obviously happens. So, all right. So that that's uh, that's number one. Number two. Uh, back to Robert. One of the things I miss the most from my PC is the ability to access menu items via one button. Alt. I have fully enabled the keyboard on my Mac, but still must hit two buttons at once. Control and F2 to get to the menus. Is there any way to change it to just one button or at least two that are next to each other? And on the front of the keyboard, such as function and control. Thank you very much. Okay. Uh, so what Rick wants to do is he wants to use his keyboard to navigate the menus. And as he points out the default way to get the menus to be keyboard, keyboard navigatable is to hold down the control key and hit F two. Uh, that 
will then allow you to use the arrow keys and, and sort of navigate through the through the menus. But you can change that. And the way you change it is you go into system preferences, keyboards, then choose keyboard shortcuts. And on Snow Leopard, then you choose keyboard and text input. And finally, highlight move focus to the menu bar. Uh, you'll see that that's set to be uh, F2 or control F2. Uh, you can change that by double clicking on where it says control F2 and then typing whatever key key com, uh, key combination you want it to be. You know, for me, a control Z might work very well because the, those two buttons are next to each other. So you can do it with one hand and there's not a whole lot of things that use control Z unless you're doing things in terminal uh, over a VT 100 or, or similar session. But uh, but otherwise, you're, you're probably pretty safe uh, from control Z. And uh, and that might that might work all right for you, Robert. So and for the rest of you, uh, if you want to try this out, it, it can actually be pretty handy to get your uh, menus accessible from the keyboard. Uh, it, it is something, you know, it, it's funny when I read Robert's email, John, I thought, you know, I've never done that on my Mac. But any time I sit down at a Windows machine, it I automatically interact with it that way. I'm constantly using the alt and, and whatever yep. key to, to navigate the menu. So I, I turned this on on my Mac and I did set it to control Z and we'll see if I have to change that. Cause you know, now that I think about it, there's some things that I do that uh, in terminal that, you know, that, that might not like me uh, trapping <laughs> control Z like that, but, but I, I'm definitely going to check this out because I, I think that, you know, there's, there's definitely an option for not having to jump back to the Mac just to grab a menu item. So, yep. And uh, just to add to that, when you're in the keyboard shortcuts, uh, there is a, a radio button, full keyboard access. I think you probably want all controls. I, I believe the OS defaults to text boxes and lists only. Right. Which leads to unexpected, well, probably expected behavior in browsers and things, but unexpected in others. Right, so right. I see on both of my screens it's set to all, and I, I'm sure yours are as well, but just yes, that caveat so you don't go insane. Yeah, I like that. That's good. Um, all right. Uh, should we move on to tips here? And I want to make sure we, sp we spend some time talking about flash. You, you know what we're going to do right now, John, all of these people have figured out how to get their questions and comments and tips and all of that to us. But I want to make sure everybody knows how to do this. And so, uh, there's a lot of ways you can find us. And the first that we're going to talk about here is by emailing us at feedback at MacGeekGab.com. Now, you, you can... You know, I, the, did you... The, uh, I thought you said, but I want to make sure that you said feedback at MacGeekGab.com, Dave. Is I that said... That's right. You heard me. I said feedback at MacGeekGab.com. Now, not only can you send us a normal email with text, uh, which is fine. We're happy to read those on the show and and uh, and discuss your, your tip or question or problem. Uh, but you can also attach an audio file there if you like. And, and as we've mentioned many times before, the new uh, voice memo app in iPhone uh, OS 3.0 allows you to record a quick little memo and attach it to an email and blast it off. And I think the yeah. uh, all the comments you've heard thus far in this show have come through that way. Uh, and they sound nice and clear. And you could so. probably use your Zoom also. Yeah. Yeah, and people have done it from Blackberries. You know, there's there's all kinds of uh, of options there. So I'm so sorry, that, I'm I'm being a jerk. Does anybody use a Zoom? Yeah, there's like twelve. <laughs> that listens to us. I think I think so. There, there's I, you know what if if you if you use a Zoom, let us know. Uh, and you can let us know in a couple of ways. Uh, so that's one way you can email us. Pick up the phone. You can pick up the phone. You can pick up the phone and call us at 
206-666-GEEK, which is amazingly 4335. That's right. And, uh, and you know, for, for comments like uh, whether or not you use a Zoom and, and things like that, you know, there, there is one method of communication that, that seems to work very well for this, and that is Twitter. You can find uh, you can find John oh and I on Twitter. Well, you know, we, we haven't mentioned Twitter a lot uh, in recent shows, but before we got this show going, Jeff, uh, one of our listeners. Hi, Jeff. Uh, t- tweeted me and said, make sure you give a shout out to everybody on Twitter. So, you know, hey, everybody on Twitter. That's great. Uh, a shout out. And it's, it it's either Dave Hamilton. Right. So for Dave. That's right. So this is Twitter.com slash Dave Hamilton or Twitter.com slash John F. Braun or Twitter.com slash MacGeekGab, or Twitter.com slash MacObserver, and, uh, and also Twitter.com slash PilotPete, who uh, yet again is traveling while we're doing the show. I talked to him today, though. He's down in, uh, I think he's down in Memphis right now. So. Oh, that's too bad. Well, you know. <laughs> Hopefully he'll be back soon. Hopefully we'll see him. No, see him I'm at some point. I've never been there. I... Yeah. So Just being silly. Now, uh, um... Wait, did we forget? No, no, I think we got it all. You can Skype us to Mac Geek oh. Gab if you like. Uh, and that'll do it. I think that covers it. All right. Um, oh, the live. Uh, uh, go. What is it? Is it TMO Live? Or Mac Observer, Mac Observer Live, live is, the, is the other Twitter account. That's right. And that oh, okay. th- we use Every that. now and then we, we did the um, eventually did the uh, financial coverage. Yeah. That, right. Yep. That's right. That's right. We use that. And I'm uh, happy with that. And you're happy with that. And we're all happy. We're all happy. Yeah. Yesterday. I got to admit, I sold some shares and now they're backing off and it's like, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> but you know, it was, it was like two oh something. And I'm like, you got to grab it when you can, brother. Absolutely. All right. Uh, let's talk. We talked about flash uh, in, in a, uh, in a recent show. And uh, when I was ranting at the beginning, but I'm sorry. That's okay. So uh, Jason wrote in and he said, I was fascinated to hear that having a number in the hard drive name could cause issues, issues with flash. Now that's not true for everyone, but it certainly is true for some people. Uh, I detest flash with a passion and that's icing on the cake. You probably have heard about click to flash, which I recommend to every WebKit based browser user. It gives me relief on the web. It not only blocks all that unsightly rubbish, but indicates just how overused this proprietary media format is. Uh, So what click to flash lets you do, it's a plugin and it blocks flash from starting automatically. Uh, It does some other cool things too. Uh, It it certainly lets you launch flash, uh, if you see a flash thing that you want to uh, that you want to fire off, you just click it and it starts right up. Uh, it also says that it affords uh, you higher quality YouTube videos. And I'm not sure how it does that, uh, but it but it does it. And then, of course, uh, you can whitelist certain websites or certain applications so that, you know, you, you're not driving yourself crazy if you've got some regular web app that, that uses flash that you uh that you need to interact with so it's uh we'll put a link in the show notes it's freely available and uh it's called click to flash so so that's cool stuff found as well as a little mini rant about about you, flash there were you wondering about um they claimed higher quality content was that where you were yeah it on the, on the oh, website for no, click I, to I flash yeah yeah no i see that hd youtube support I think they force HD when it's available on a video. So I uh, think that's uh, 
that's that's a way of describing it. Yeah. Okay. So so here's something interesting though, because you can it, 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 click to flash aside. You can go into YouTube, and and anybody that uses YouTube with any uh, regularity will see that now there's on many, if not not all, but but many YouTube videos, there's a little HD icon, and by default. Uh, for most folks, that's that's disabled. You can and you can just click it and then it launches the movie in HD mode and, and usually looks a lot clearer. Uh, you can go into your YouTube preferences. Now, this is a per browser preference, even though it doesn't feel like it. Uh, it sets a cookie on your browser. You can go into your browser preferences and set the default video quality. Now, YouTube says that they try and detect what type of connection you're on. And uh, and set the HD accordingly. I've never right. had it work right. Yeah, it always they say that. Yeah, it always defaults to off. So you can go into YouTube <laughs> and, uh, you know, go to YouTube dot com. I think you go to preferences uh, while you're there inside YouTube and uh, and you can set that to always, you know, uh, fire off the HD version. And, and that that's really, really handy. Uh, but it sounds like this click to flash thing will also do that. So. uh all right. Uh, and Matt also writes in. Matt has a, another comment here about Flash. He says, I'll keep it short. Regarding the party who could access a web-based Flash site on Windows with Firefox, but not on the Mac, it might be worth checking out to see if both browsers are configured the same with respect to Flash. Specifically, it might be worth looking into seeing if the Mac has been configured to not allow Flash cookies, store content, or the like. More information can be found at... Uh, well, he lists a Macromedia website, but it's an mm-hmm. Adobe website. Uh, in short, when you see Flash come up, go ahead and right click in the middle of the Flash or control click if you happen to be a one button mouse user. And you'll see a uh, you'll see two options pop up. One will be uh, about, you know, Adobe Flash and then the other will be settings. Go to settings and you'll get this really kind of wonky looking multi pane settings app. And and you can go in there and and tell it whether or not you want to allow Flash to store content on your computer and whether or not you want to allow Flash cookies. And though in your heart of hearts, you know that you don't really want to let it do either of those things. Many Flash apps won't work without you letting it do those things. So uh, so, you know, make your choice. But yeah. but realize that if you want Flash to be fully functional when you want it functional, you've got to allow those things. So, you know, by turning those on and then turning off uh, or, you know, using click to flash, you add another layer of control there uh, without reducing the functionality yeah. that you want. Yeah, it looks good. My only gripe with flash is sometimes, uh, for whatever reason, more on the portable than the desktop. Um, I'll notice that my processor gets pegged. And when I find out, when I eventually diagnose what it is, it's typically a web page that has a lot of flash garbage on it. I close right. that tab, the processor settles down to single digit on each core when flash is loaded i don't know what's going on now you know people have these stupid you've seen them you know the the you know mortgage and and all this stuff that have all these motion-based things that are meant to grab your eye before you look away in disgust um (laughs) that's right but they're all doing flash and they're all just chomping up that process it's terrible yeah flash is not It's, it's it's abused i think is the problem by by certain ads and banners they just go nuts and it's like you know yeah. can you can you hold off a bit i mean i'm, I'm trying and but that's not the worst the worst and then we'll get back on path is sites that play sound when i don't permit it do not do that yeah 
what if I'm in the office, man? And this has happened a couple yeah. of times where I'm going to a web page with news or something. And all of a sudden I get, you know, an ad from a local whatever blasting through the speakers. And it's like, you know, you should never be allowed to play sound without asking permission. That's just my humble opinion. I, I agree. You know, here's the interesting thing. You know, I obviously work uh, in the ad business here with our backbeatmedia.com. And uh, we've found that most of the flash ads we get now, of course, we're in the Mac market, right? So, you know, sure. we get we get ads that are created by people that are at least aware of, you know, the possibility that design might matter. Um, most of the flash ads we get are the better ads. Uh, you know, they're better than the, the the rotating GIFs or the JPEGs because we limit the size of of the payload. Right. So, you know, we, we won't let somebody put a 250 K GIF file okay. uh, on and the website the bandwidth. Right. right. Because it because of bandwidth and because it slows, you know, down downloads and, and that sort of thing. But, you know, in inside a 40 K flash file, you can put a whole lot more animation and, and that sort of thing than you can in a GIF file. So you can get a much richer ad. Uh, that looks better than its GIF counterpart would in a in a smaller payload, but uh, obviously, like you said, there's you know there's the potential to do it wrong and abuse and and all of that. We we just encourage yeah. people not. Well, to Well, you do that. know what you're doing. I know that, and everybody right. else knows that. Now they do. Now they do. They heard it on the internet. <laughs> Uh, check Snopes first. Check Snopes first. All right. Uh, you know, let's do one more thing here before we uh, before we get out of here. And and what that will be is uh, Brian has a finger to wag. Hey, John and Dave. This is Brian out of Akron, Ohio. I was just listening to the show 223, and I had a little bit of a finger wag for you guys. Uh, ah. When you explained how to reset the PRAM on a unit, you said... Restart the machine and wait until you hear the startup chime and then hold down command option Papa Romeo. Well, the problem with that is if the unit has been muted, you may not hear the startup chime. So one thing to realize is that the screen will always go black when you restart. So the best rule would be wait until the screen goes black and then hold command option Papa Romeo and you will get your PRAM zaps, which will then reset the actual volume level of the machine back up to the factory default. So, yeah. Other than that, love the show. think you guys do a great job. Thanks very much. Love it. Awesome. Thank you very much, Brian. And that and that is good advice. Yeah. As soon as the as soon as the machine restarts, uh, which, as I said, you would hear uh, the chime. But wait, wait till the screen refreshes. And that's how, you know, command mm-hmm. option PR. Thank you very much, Brian. That's was uh, he in an airplane. Sound like it, he was he, you know, he might have been. That's Someone interesting. Heller or a, a car with a, a odd sounding muffler. That yeah. Well, like to be plane. to be fair, I you know when I play back these audio comments, I have it running out through the uh, the Mackie Onyx uh, twelve twenty board here, and I do run the comments into a separate channel, which allows mm-hmm. me to do on the fly EQing. So I pulled a lot of low end out of that because that's where a lot of that that sound was as we were listening, hmm. and uh, so that may have made it. That may have made road noise sound more like a propeller, right? Because I pulled all that, that. would be cool. That way, yeah. Let, you know what? Uh, for the for for our sake and for that of the uh, for the listeners, why don't we just assume that Brian was flying a plane while he uh, while he did that? Which is that much better. Everybody than Everybody happy. It's much better than sleeping. All right. The other thing I'd mention is um, who is it? Start. There is a startup sound. Prep pain. Now I'm looking on my MacBook Pro. 
It is 32-bit. Yeah. I don't know if it's supported. I'll have to see. Arcana makes it, and it's... Oh, copyright 2... 1.1 beta 2, copyright 2007. Yep. Huh, that may be old. Yeah, they they hadn't heard of Snow Leopard by uh, by then. Unless their time machine worked really well. All right. Uh, let's see. We've told everyone how... We've told you all how to contact us. That's good. Uh, we like to make sure we do that. We want to tell you how to contact some of the people that help us here. Uh, iPhonealley.com is where Michael Johnston uh, spends his time. And, of course, Michael is the one that converts this show into enhanced AAC for most of you. Uh, but it is worth noting, uh, I get emails about this or tweets about this occasionally, if you want the show uh, either immediately as soon as we release it or uh, for whatever reason need an MP3 version of the show or prefer to get it that way, you can. If you visit MacGeekGab.com, you'll see there is a, uh, a link that will allow you to subscribe in iTunes to the MP3 version. You won't find the MP3 version in the iTunes store. Uh, that's the AAC version only, but but you can manually subscribe in iTunes to uh, to this one. So if you right, I think you right click on the link in the web page, and then that has the URL. Actually, don't we have it set up so you can just click it and it it automatically? Uh, I haven't tried in a while because yeah, I no, it we don't. We don't, but, but we can, will. You can manually paste in the URL if if you copy it from the web page, right? And it ends in there's MP3 in there somewhere, and then you go to iTunes Advanced. It's it's one of the advanced tabs, and you can paste the URL. Yep. You do it once, and then you will get the MP3 feed. That's like right. I do, and you do, and uh, yeah. but we also get the enhanced feed. That's right. That's right. And there's a collector's edition feed that that Stephen made that will have uh, that's got everything. So, uh, all that's available at macgeekab.com, including the instructions on how to do it. Cashfly. Cashfly.com, which is also cashfly.net, C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y, provides all the bandwidth for us. They're an edge caching service, uh, similar to places like Akamai that you might have heard of, but but they provide all of the bandwidth to, uh, to the... To, for the show here, and they allow us uh, to get the show from us to you by putting it out on all of their Edge servers so that uh, you'll pick up the show from whatever server is closest to you, and that way it gets to you. Lickety split. So we love the we love the folks at Cashfly there, and they, they make a, a lot of this possible. C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. The podcast marketplace this month includes uh, the A2 desktop speakers from Audio Engine, Yojimbo from Barebones Software, Text Expander and Text Expander Touch from Smile on My Mac, Notebook from Circus Ponies, and Pathfinder 5 from Cocotech all through the Backbeat Media Podcast Network. Do you have anything else to say before we uh, before we get out of here, John? Wow, that was uh, energizing. Yeah. Feels good to be back in the swing of things. We're back in the swing. Oh, but we'll... No, actually, we're, we're here next week. Yeah, I got a vacation later in November that we'll have to skip, but, you know, we'll figure it out. You like the fall. I do. Have a good week, everybody. Say hi to us on Twitter. And uh, most of all, don't get caught. Made up.